0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series on the impacts of emerging regulations on supply chain compliance. This series is sponsored by Ascent Compliance. Ascent Compliance provides cloud-based SAAS solutions that help companies manage their supply chain data, facilitate stakeholder and supply chain education on regulatory and program requirements, and increase transparency between businesses. Ascent helps companies overcome the challenge of meeting their compliance business requirements. Finally, Ascent streamlines the data exchange process for suppliers, making it easier for them to comply with their customers' data requests. For more information, check out their website, AscentCompliance.com. In this special five-part podcast series, I visit with several members of the Ascent team to take a look at this topic, review human trafficking and slavery developments, supply chain risk management programs, CSR value propositions, the current state of responsible mineral sourcing, and scaling up to meet challenges today, tomorrow, and down the road. It's a fascinating series that I know you will enjoy. In this episode, I'm joined by Jared Connors, and we talk about the current state of what used to be called Conflicts Minerals, is now Responsible Minerals. He explains how we got from there to here, and more importantly, where we're going in the future. I know you will enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode with Jared Connors, the subject matter expert on CSR at Ascent Compliance. Jared, first of all, welcome back.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Jared, uh, one of the issues that I think many compliance practitioners and indeed companies struggle with is what uh, I, in Texas, would call conflict minerals. Uh, that may not even be the right name anymore, so could you just take it from there?
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, conflict or responsible minerals, boy, this is a topic that um, I've been working on since before it ever even went into into legislation in the Dodd-Frank Act, and uh, something that uh, I'm certainly very close to. And it's it's really actually nice to see the transition of conflict minerals to responsible minerals. And basically what that means is if you think about the conflict minerals legislation um, and its intent, it's basically telling you to identify your material sources of origin and demonstrate a chain of custody that those materials are not tampered with along the way. And Responsible Minerals says, well, let's also make sure that we're sourcing responsibly. We're looking beyond that. And this is a really big um, uh, transition that, that's going on, meaning it's going to take some time to really fully engage in this process and do it right. Uh, and it's it's something that I'm personally very proud of. I remember one of my very, very first tin smelter audits early, early in the days before we even uh, had an organization name uh, to address these issues in electronics industry, and uh, I really had a panic attack when I went to this tin smelter, and I contacted my fellow uh, working group members um, back then in what was known as the EICC, the Electronics Industry Citizenship Coalition. Now the name has changed. Um, and this was long before we even called it CFSI, the Conflict Minerals um, group basically um, now that's even changed names and uh, I contacted my few fellow companies that were in there and I said oh my goodness you guys I've seen something that I can't unsee and it's it's quite scary for me and I want to make sure that we're addressing these issues and that was I saw water from tailing ponds at a refinery being fed to local farmers to water their crops and and if you know anything about metal refining process you know that there's some uh, heavy metals in in those tailing ponds so I was not pleased to see that. And I've also seen some conditions around the globe that are um, less than standard, I would say. Um, So responsible minerals, and the transition from conflict minerals to responsible minerals means that those organizations that are proudly engaging in this this program are now looking at a variety of different risk issues. And you see this um, really taking shape with additional metals that are, are coming into the responsible mineral space. So, the original legislation is about tin, tantalum, tungsten, and gold, and that remains unchanged. Uh, But you see organizations like a responsible steel group. You see the Aluminum Stewardship Initiative. You certainly see the Cobalt um, Institute engaging in their program that they call CRAF that looks at a variety of topics from environmental issues to labor rights. Uh, And it's not just about the true conflict minerals nature of where did I get this from and was it conflicted? It's growing well beyond that. And it's uh, something that I'm personally very proud to see.
0: Jared, one of the things that has struck me uh, about conflicts minerals slash responsible minerals is not so much the specific language around Dodd-Frank and whether that's going to apply going forward or not, but really the entire concept of responsible sourcing. I've heard you talk about that literally for years, and it seems to me that the the message of Dodd-Frank, the guts of Dodd-Frank, the really, uh, if I could say the values of Dodd-Frank around conflict mineral have now spread to a wide variety of other sourcing issues uh, would that be a fair assessment?
1: It really is. I used to call, con- this it's a bad term, but I used to call it the gateway drug in terms of transparency in the supply chain. And I, I'll never forget going on stage early, early in the days of Dodd-Frank. And and I was doing, ai can't remember where I was, and, and I'm doing a topic on responsible or conflict mineral sourcing then. And, and everybody said, what's the real intention of this legislation? And I said, you know, it, the real intention is about supply chain transparency. And this is one of the initial Elements that we've seen in legislation that's going to require companies to open their eyes to the upstream. And that's no more true in current years when we see, uh, or or recent months when we see companies now realizing that some of their upstream sources that they have no direct business interest in um, are actually under OFAC sanction. And this is actually causing companies to now address these other issues, uh, and they would have never had that information. Before conflict minerals and gathering this information. So really, it is the catalyst, if you will, for all of these different legislations, whether it's modern-day slavery regulations or responsible sourcing of certain raw materials, um, whether you think of uh, – um, you know, palm oil, or you think of uh, furs and, and live animals. I can't say sustainable forestry because sustainable forestry actually became came in before conflict minerals, and in fact, that was one of the big educational opportunities we had in the early days of conflict minerals was learning from what sustainable forestry had already been doing. So the concept has been around for a long time, but I, in my opinion, and maybe I'm a little too close to this, conflict minerals. Has been that gateway for a proving ground, if you will, for demonstrating that companies can look into their upstream uh, without violating any supply chain uh, proprietary issues or knowing your tier threes. If your tier twos don't are, are worried about you cutting them out, it's about these upstream sources and the the fact that these upstream sources are focused on raw materials and and extractives in general is a dirty business. You know, we're digging holes in the ground and we're pulling things out of the ground and we're we're reprocessing it into whatever, we're refining it into what we want. And that's never necessarily a clean business. And resources are always finite. So as we look at sourcing of any material, we should think about how we're sourcing these things responsibly and what we can do to initiate um, the or, or engage with the upstream to make sure that they're also um, actively participating in responsible due diligence.
0: Jared, it really, uh, uh, it really struck me when you said, uh, if I could even refine it down to one word, it's about transparency. And I think that that is something that a lot of people care about, not simply from a business or business process or even uh, risk management perspective, but customers, but employees, but people my daughter's age. Uh, and that is something that every company is going to have to incorporate in the way they do business going forward.
1: Oh, it's a huge deal. It's it's a big deal now for investment companies. You you see like the the letter from the CEO of BlackRock to all sorts of CEOs talking about being a good corporate citizen. Transparency is a big deal, right? Transparency is the 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 foundation for. Corporate social responsibility and ethics. Do you have transparency into the activities that are going on within your four walls, or without outside of your four walls? And certainly, well upstream of you as you gather these these materials. You know, a lot of us are very excited about the technology that we have right in front of us right now on our desk or in our cars, and and that, those technologies and the cost of those technologies being cheap comes at a cost, and we need to make sure that without sacrificing the ability for us to get goods and services that we can continue to get those uh, wonderful elements of technology and do it responsibly so that we're not, uh, you know, out of sight, out of mind, doing something to some other part of the world that uh, um, doesn't necessarily impact us today, but can and will impact us tomorrow. And you see this in surveys that are going out. Uh, I think it was – Uh, a big consumer survey. And I I, forgive me, I don't remember the name of this, but I'm sure people can find this on the internet. And it was a consumer survey, uh, specifically in America and talking to American consumers. And it was about, do you want to buy products from companies um, that do that source responsibly do ethical business? And the answer was yes, overwhelmingly yes. And then the next question in the survey was, well, how many of you actually make purchase decisions based on companies and the information you have on companies that are doing ethical business or responsible sourcing. And it was significantly lower. It was like 25% of those respondents who said yes to the prior question. But it does demonstrate that people are thinking about it. And it's very important to your average consumer. And it's important to investors to make sure that companies are moving forward. And that's really the big driver in a lot of this legislation is it's the consumer activism and it's the um, investor activism to make sure that consumers and investors are are feeling good about the companies that they buy products from and invest in. And that starts with transparency, whether it be to conflict minerals, your sources way upstream in the mines that are providing the, the minerals for tantalum capacitors, or it's um, leather goods, or it's just simply the labor practices of the tier ones of these brands that we're buying from.
0: Jared, we started off this podcast... Um, talking about responsible minerals. So I wanted to end it uh, by asking you the following question. What do you think are going to be some of the key issues in responsible mineral sourcing uh, going forward for the next 12 months and perhaps beyond?
1: Well, that, that's a really good question. And, and that's really starting to grow in strength right now. And in, in the, the three big issues that I see are country of origin information. Uh, we seem to have, as as Conflict minerals professionals and companies, we've seen to have become a little laxed on that. There are two parts of due diligence, just to explain that really fast. There's the downstream due diligence that most of us on companies – conduct on a regular basis to identify our refinery smelter sources with kind of the pinch point in the supply chain. And then there's the upstream due diligence. And when the upstream due diligence from mine to smelter gets audited by a verification program, we go, okay, that's great. Now, if I know my sources are audited, then I'm done. Because if I'm naming those sources or utilizing those sources, um, I know that they're good. But there's a lot of push to make sure that we have more information on those on the results, if you will, of those verification programs in the upstream, because it really impacts our ability to understand, again, transparency, to make sure we know our country sources of origin. And, and that kind of brings us to issue number two, our big hot topic issue number two is we're finding out that more common, more commonly that we have upstream sources that are actually under sanction or have gone through some pretty serious litigations issues or have some major labor rights or environmental concerns within their organizations. And so by having that information, that transparency of those country of origin sources, we're able to then address uh, any peripheral risk issues with those um, upstream sources. Uh, and if we don't, if we're ignorant to those sources and we are we don't know where those country of origins are and we simply know I've got a refinery and he passed an industry um, audit schema, uh, I'm good to go and I, and I leave it at that, I'm only getting partial information. Um, And then the third and final thing in in responsible mineral sources is the addition of additional metals into the process. For the first time ever, companies are going beyond Dodd-Frank legislation. And in my opinion, that was the intention all along is to put this thing in the water and let this start floating and have have a journey of its own. And I think that's starting to happen. And we see a lot of companies now collecting data on cobalt. Um, and at first, companies went, well, it's not legislated. I'm not going to do it. Or I, I don't source batteries. Clued in their responsible minerals program. So it's really taken on a life of its own. And I think 2018 was the first growing year. And we're going to see this thing just start to hockey stick up with so many different um, avenues, whether it be steel or aluminum or copper and all these different uh, base metals that that companies want to see in their Quote, Responsible minerals programs so they have transparency.
0: Jared, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I hope that uh, you will listeners will be back tomorrow where I have a great uh, series wrap up with Jonathan Hughes. Jared. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Impacts of Emerging Regulations on Supply Chain Compliance. I hope you join us again tomorrow for our next episode. This podcast series is sponsored by Ascent Compliance. You can learn more about Ascent Compliance by checking out their website, www.ascentcompliance.com. This special five-part podcast series has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.